welcome to Tex Talks. I am Tex and today, sure, today I am in the presence of hip hop smarts, people. <sighs> Throughout his career, this rapper has fused local slang with socially conscious content and his experiences of growing up in the mother city. Mm. From switching between nods to local hip-hop heroes and American West Coast icons, his music spans eras and geographies. And mm. it's taken me eight seasons oh, yeah. to get him here, but I mm. never stopped trying. Things take time. I am, of course, talking about Youngster, CPT Youngster. Oh, Welcome yeah. to the show. Wah, 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 wah. Yeah, I went with the clef instead of the aeon, and then you did the aeon. <laughs> so regardless of my intro, there was still an aeon in it, which that's, I appreciate. But that's what we do here at Text Talks. No, 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 indeed. Indeed, you're welcoming me into the cipher, and I love it. It's good <laughs> to be here today, Tex. Thank you. It's also good to be doing this in person at the new Kaya Creative Studios oh, in yeah. Loop Street. Great stuff. COVID. Love and, the pin drop there. Yeah, but listen, one. COVID and technology have made me a little bit of a hermit, right? Mm. So, so for me, I'm getting back into the swing of things. Yeah. But how are you adjusting to restrictions basically being a thing of the past now? Yeah. Um, I mean, the year just started. It was just that we're still, you know, feeling like the correct place to walk on. You know, it seems like we have to tread lightly still, just in mm. case tomorrow they decide that. Oh no, there's uh, wave four in the... My fellow South Africans. You know, new name for the strain is called, I don't know what, you know, who knows. But um, yeah, I think that we're cautious still, regardless, you know, we never know what uh, the future holds and what's waiting around the next corner. But at the same time, very optimistic also, you know, we want to keep the, the positive thoughts going instead. And we're just going to take advantage of it while it's like this, mm. you know, because like I say, for, for us, it's so difficult because you don't know what to expect next, man, you know? And we're dealing with a, a system that kind of springs it on you at the last minute, whereas they knew maybe six months prior, five months prior, that this was going to happen already, you know? And I don't like being the last to know. Mm. <laughs> I never like being the last to know something, mm. especially if it affects me that heavily, you know? Mm. So I think, yeah, yeah, we're still going to move forward. We're going to press on. We're going to do our thing. But at the same time, we also have to be cautious because we are independent businessmen. So when the money goes into something, it's all our money. And if it flops, that's our flop. I can't point the finger at nobody else. I can't blame anybody else. All of it rests on us, you know. Mm. So, yeah, it's, it's difficult at times, but we just, you know, concentrate on making the right moves. Mm. Oh, yeah. Listen, I could sit here and talk to you all day, and I love to talk, and I know you love <laughs> to talk. But I want to start with mm. your loaded rapper name, right? Indeed. You made it very clear with the CPT in indeed. your name no, that indeed. you represent the mother city. Oh, yeah. So talk to me a little bit about the corner of Cape Town that you're from. Mm. Uh, growing up in, in Cape Town, I think I was oblivious to a lot of what was going on around me. I will say that because we judge our realities as normality. So whatever you grow up, um, I can say exposed to and as your routine, you believe that that is almost everyone's reality, but you're not also sure. But at the same time, you just think like, yeah, we all shared this experience. Sometimes we all had to fast in Ramadan. We all had Eid and we all went to go collect money by the houses on Eid and knock on the doors and your pocket is full of coins. Cling, cling, cling. Not beers, but cling, um, <laughs> cling, cling. But at the end of the day, like you grow up and then you speak about these stories and you realize, oh, there's some people who have actually never even heard of that or heard of a labarang or heard of like a bola or some worst as in pies and all these different things that maybe I thought was a common knowledge to everyone you know 
so I grew up in Wittebuma most of my life um, in Weinberg. Um, before that, um, uh, various parts of the Cape, but that's like where I spent most of my life, like 20 years of my life in Wittebuma. And I was raised with my mother. It was a, a interesting experience, but I will say my childhood was very fun in terms of like little technology, little, um, I can say, distractions. Mm-hmm more playing, more fun, more natural activities, more friendships. Not like know? the kids nowadays. Not like this of today, you know, where it's like going outside is a danger almost for them nowadays, you know, it seems like that. But um, I had fun, I had a lot of fun. And then I think the teenage years is where I, st- I think that's the story with everyone. That's why I say I always feel like everyone's experience is the same, mm-hmm. but there are small things that just separate us, you know. So I think when I came to the teenage years, that's when I started to maybe like, you know, grow into the whole rebellious side. And obviously, as you're developing your, your manhood as as a male, you're looking now to, you know, walk with your chest out. You want to speak differently. Your voice broke. Mm. You're getting bigger. You're developing. You're getting in different places. Yet you never <laughs> thought hair grew, you know. So, so, like, at the end of the day, I think doing it without a, a single male role model. Mm. I had a lot of male role models, my uncles, my cousins, and so on. Sometimes maybe we weren't always the best role models, but hey, um, I think maybe doing it without that one dominant figure was a, a tricky situation when I got older. You know, in the beginning, like I said, my childhood was all smiles and, you know, I kept it, I kept it pushing for most of my, you know, my young years. When I got a bit older, though, I think that's when I started to look around and notice what was going on around me. Like I said, I was oblivious in the beginning, mm. even though it was happening in the beginning also. You know, there was drugs, there was figures around me that maybe wasn't always the best to ever run a child. There was the environment also. There was peer pressure, but I didn't succumb to it, like I said, until I got a bit older in life because I was trying to find my identity. Who am I? What am I going to do? Mm. And I always had this thing about rap since I was a light. I always loved rapping, you know, but at that time, I don't think that it was as mainstream or as popular in South Africa as it is now. I would credit the, the rise of SAE pop in like 2003 13, yeah. 2014, around there, you know. So we're talking about, I mean, I'm growing up from, let's say, 1998 to 2009. That's my little time frame of not participating in rap music, but mm. just being an individual and living and existing in Cape Town. That's where the stories come from. The stories come from that period of my life, from like adolescence, like childhood, like age six, seven to about 18, 19. You know, and that is my my content. Most of it is based on those years of my life. And I think the thing that a lot of artists now are lacking sometimes is that, is the experience, the mm. real life experience. I understand if you were a 19-year-old rapper, you blow up at age 19, you get signed, and now life is moving at the speed of light. But what have you actually lived to share with us mm. in your music? You know, so when you ask me about what it was like to grow up in Cape Town, a lot of my music I'm grateful for that has actually included that that upbringing, you know, and that um, that uh, that fundamentals and how I've been raised and stuff like that. Because if I didn't live those experiences, the music would be boring. But also, you were listening to Prophets of the City, Rasafani no Kaab, no and those were the guys who were living those experiences. They, were living it as well. they lived a totally different one, also, yeah. you know, a way more intense one than I did. I would say uh, they come obviously from the time of like the armed struggle and apartheid mm. and 
you know, when South Africa was in a state of emergency, my mother as well, like all our parents come from that time. So I think that in our time, they obviously wished for a different outcome, which in some ways they were. But like I say, as I was growing older and I noticed what's going on around me, like I always make this example to my mother. I'm like, you see, you didn't grow up with tick. You don't understand what that was like because we were children and then there was those kinds of substances available to Mm. us on the street you know what i mean whereas in her time there wasn't any narcotics really on that scale but it was if i'm not in the house by a certain time i'm gonna get arrested or die it was the police presence (laughs) there we go you know so there's always like some sort of a, a trump card that they were given but at the end of the day i just think that as an individual i was brought up a certain way and i knew what was right and wrong and I tried my best to follow the right path, but often I got sidetracked, you know. And like I say, it makes for good songs now. Mm. <laughs> it makes for good stories. No, 100%. And you mentioned about in 2013, mm. the emergence or re-emergence mm. of South African hip-hop no when doubt. it exploded. Yeah. And I mean, now with a certain extent with, you know, Blackie and mm. these new kids coming mm. up, there's also a resurgence again. Indeed in Joburg, Indeed. in Durban. But tell me about the Cape Flats being the mm. birthplace of hip-hop culture. South African hip-hop. Because it's graffiti, it's yeah. the b-boys, mm. it's DJing. Yeah. It's, to me, that culture is a way of life. Yeah, you have to so live it. Talk, talk to me about mm. living it. I think because it's the, the origin of, of South African hip-hop, it's very, um, it's very rich. Mm. and it's layered and it has so many divisions in it also like we were speaking about the b-boying the djing the graffiti so we have all these different facets in cape town specifically that has been practiced for almost like three generations Mm. now you know three decades also you can say so the artists that come from here naturally are passed on a heavy tradition to carry that's a big torch that's not just oh you're gonna rap that's like you have to represent hip-hop. So your music video has to at least have a b-boy in it. There has to be some sort of art from a wall, canvas, spray painting, something. And there at least has to be a DJ scratching maybe at least for 30 seconds in the song. And a sexy car. And a sexy car. Something donuts also. There has to do burnouts. Bro. If it's not doing the donuts, then it's not and void. <laughs> but, but because of that kind of, um, I can say, tradition that we have to follow in that lineage, it's a lot of pressure on, I would say, Cape Town rappers to, to be that great and to live up to that kind of a history that we are, are, are from. And Joburg, Durban, they don't have to really worry about that that much. Mm. You know, they need to make sure that the money machine turns. They need to make sure that the marketing carries on and the promoting carries on and the events happen every week regardless of if there is COVID restrictions or not. Yeah. <laughs> they have to just make sure that the cities are alive. You know, and you must look at it. Prophets of the City was banned in mm. 1993 um, for their album Age of Truth. So if you think of it, here's, here's a group of guys from a disadvantaged background that make hip hop music almost as close as to what America produces at that same message, same potency, same frequency, and yet it gets shelved mm. and never ever played on the radio and never played on television now as i say traditions are passed down so that tradition i think was also passed down the banned message of hip-hop in cape town i mean graffiti is banned in cape mm. town so already they've removed one of the elements 
Now you take away the music, you don't play it on the radio, yeah, you, you, you've taken away another one, you know? There's no more hip hop in Daba, or there's no more battle of the year where b-boys can go and compete mm. against each other. There, you've taken away another thing. So I think that hip hop has been crippled in Cape Town. It's, it's handicapped. Mm. You can do it, but it's difficult to to do it. You know, it's difficult to live with it and walk with it and move with it. So, like you say, it's a way of life, no mm. doubt, but it's a very very difficult existence sometimes. A stifled way of life, mm, yeah. Especially, yeah. You can get away with it in the other cities, like I'm saying, because they're just making sure that the machine carries on generating the money. But in Cape Town, it's more about the practice of those elements. And, I mean, it's already so difficult to do it here, so, you know, it's a double-edged sword, kind of. Mm, I mean, before all the COVID shit went down, mm. and Ebro Darden yeah. came to... Indeed, he came to the block, yeah. Yeah. He came to South Africa, but I mean... Yeah, he, he came, came He came here. Well. He came to Cape Town. Yeah. And I remember I went to this fancy-ass mansion in Bantry Bay. Yeah. And we yes. went there to listen to Ebro talk to you mm. and talk to a whole bunch of other people about Cape Town hip-hop, South African hip-hop. Yeah. And during the Q&A section, somebody asked you about the Joburg hip-hop scene versus the Cape Town hip-hop scene. And I will never forget your answer because I thought it was so interesting and I'd never thought about it that way before. You paralleled Cape Town with LA. Mm. The weed, the woman, the palm trees, the inequality of wealth. And I'd never thought about it like that, like about hip-hop being in the blood of Cape Townians, Mm. right? Whereas people from all over the country, they move to Joburg because they see Joburg as this like shining beacon of prosperity almost Mm. the way you go to make it. For sure. Having grown up in Cape Town, Mm. right? And also having lived in Joburg. No doubt. Do you see a synergy between the two cities or do you think that they're so completely different that they'll never be alike? It's sibling rivalry. (laughs) I believe it's definitely sibling rivalry. And it's almost like that um, inferiority complex also a little bit, you know. Mm. I feel like because Joba came after and adopted hip-hop just a little bit later than us, not that many years, maybe like three years later, four years later, but still it doesn't give you the title of originator, you know what I mean? So I think because of that, it's almost like they've been teased so long or they were teased so long because Cape Town was the mecca of hip-hop. So for them, at one point, they would have to come here to earn that respect, to earn that stripe, to get that validation from like so-called the real MCs. And then once the real MCs stamp you, they go back to Joburg and wear those stars and stripes on them, knowing that now they have like the official stamp of hip hop in mm. South Africa. So I think that now that they don't need that validation anymore, it's like, yeah, we're going to rub it in your face now because now we number one, you know? And back in the day, it was reversed. So I think there's a lot of animosity, there's a lot of tension between the two. If you look at it, Joburg is the end of South Africa. And if you look at it, Cape Town is the start of South Africa. So there's also that. There's also those two pinpoints, you know what I mean? There's also that um, um, the major city debate, like who should be the capital of South Africa? And most of the time, people will just say, well, it's between Cape Town and Joburg. Shame, Pretoria. I mean, P.E. <laughs> Durban. The ones just get left out here in the middle of the map. Maybe. We don't even talk about them. No consideration. P.E. I mean, they've been abbreviated. We don't even mention the real name of the city, Memro. But nevertheless, the most people is, can't even pronounce the name that it's called. Nah, yeah. There, there, there we go. I had, to, I had to learn that like four times. So just repeat it one more time for me. But uh, Okay, so where does the click come in? But nevertheless, <laughs> the point of the story that I'm trying to make here is that the discussion always comes down to those two cities, you know, because I think that we've more or less pioneered most of 
the South African traditions that you will still be doing and practicing 20 years from now either comes from Cape Town or Joburg mm -hmm. most of the time. Mm -hmm. So I do think there's that, um, uh, there's that tension that will always exist, but also we must look at the history of this place and we must look at the history of all the other ones. Most of the history takes place in Cape Town, of course, you know, being that it was the, the entry point, the first settlement as well for the settlers, but the ending of it is in Johannesburg because that's where the gold is mm. and that's what was discovered, you know, so that's where kind of the settlers settled because they were like, nah, wait, there's no need to look further than this. But I think, I think we got what we came for, guys. <laughs> Set up shop, close it down, pitch the tents. So, so, so at the end of the day, it's like they didn't need to look further than Joburg. And if you look at it today's time, they still don't look any further than Joburg. Mm. That's the be all and the end all for South African artists and musicians. Like, full stop. You know, so now you don't need to get props in Cape Town anymore. You don't need to get props in Durban. You don't need to get props in the other cities. If you can stay active and relevant long enough in Joburg, you'll basically survive. And now, just a quick side note, because I have some super exciting news. Over at Text Talks, we get a huge number of artists reaching out to us to highlight their amazing content. And because we plan our seasons quite far in advance, we often can't accommodate requests to spotlight some of the amazing up-and-coming talents South Africa, Africa, and the world has to offer. And so we started Text Talks Extra. Text Talks Extra has gone on to become its own beast, and thanks to all of your support, we are super excited to announce that our friends in the culture of humor have stepped up to collaborate with us for the next season of Text Talks Extra, launching on the 14th of February. Puma have been at the very forefront of the culture through iconic collabs with the likes of Nomzamo Mabata, Winnie Harlow, Dua Lipa and Cara Delevingne, to Nintendo and even my fave sweeties Haribo, while always looking toward being more sustainable in the pursuit of their biodegradable shoe experiments. I mean, this is the brand that bought us suede, a fashion icon that's been a staple since its first drop in the 70s. Finally, keep your finger on that refresh button on Puma's Insta. Ruba has it with restrictions easing more and more. Select sessions might just be happening live and in person at their flagship Bramfontein store. So don't say we didn't warn you. We are stoked to be collaborating with Puma again and can't wait to bring you only the freshest content on Text Talks Extra, including all the happenings in the land of Puma for 2022. Whether it's their latest collab, hashtag select sessions, hashtag suede Sundays, or just a reminder that she moves us. Catch all the drops on at Puma South Africa on Insta or wherever you follow the iconic cat. And now, back to the show. You mentioned it earlier about certain institutions being taken away from Cape Town mm. and being stifled. Mm. But what is your take on the current climate of hip hop in Cape Town and the kids that are coming up? I think we can credit them definitely for being innovators as well. I think a lot of them took pages out of my book, which is a good thing. And they improved on those designs and those ideas. They started to adapt their formulas to, you know, the internet generation and technology and so forth. I didn't really do that in the beginning. I, you know, grew with it also like everyone else did. But I think it's almost like I make an example of, of lighters that's going to smoke weed for the first time. Sorry, guys. But um, no, we can keep this in. This is good. We can, we can keep this one in. This is, this is a big lesson to the kids out there. When they smoke their first joint in 2022, let's say, and let's say they're however old they are in their teen years experimenting, and they smoke their first joint, you know what they're going to smoke for the first time? They're going to smoke indoor cheese. That's going to be their first joint. They 
ever, ever inhale is Indonesia. If you could see the face that I'm making right now, Kass, it's one of pure bro. disgust. Kass. That's like some strong A-grade weed for those of you who have never, ever smoked weed in your life. That's some strong shit, man. That's stronger than what Snoop Dogg they were smoking back when they started smoking weed. The chronic. That's like 1990-something. You know what I mean? The lighters of today is going to have that as their first experience of weed. Now, that's some strong shit. Now, let me flip it for you one more time. The first phone that a lighter gets when he goes to school now is going to be an iPhone 13. Not my, not my kids. Not your kid, no doubt. But majority of the lighters is going to cry and nag and whine long enough for the parent to say, fuck it, I'll just buy it so this man can keep quiet. My boyfriend and I were talking the other day and we were saying, by the time we have babies, beepers will be back in fashion. So <laughs> we'll, we'll give them a beeper uh, and then, yeah. Let's hope that's... a Tamagotchi comes back. Also, <laughs> just so that they can learn some responsibility in life. But nevertheless, the point I'm trying to make here is their first experiences and encounters with whether it's technology, the world, girls, drugs, whatever, is going to be so amplified mm. to the point that I don't think they will be comfortable with living without those kinds of things, man, because that is going to be their first taste of it, you know? Mm. At least with us, you know, it was gradual. Things in, that's why I say I didn't start with technology immediately when I started making music. I was still on CDs, MP3s. It really whips the llama's ass. No social media. No social media. We used, what's it called, BBM. <laughs> mix it. We used mix it. We used, yeah. uh, 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 we used um, those data bundles on BBM, the 60 Rand one. We used those ones to send the music out. So we were using that to our advantage. You paid 60 Rand for internet access. 59.99. Never get that shit. On the Blackberry. I used to pay that 60 Rand. And for that month, I get to surf the internet. Now, that was quite for me because I didn't have no internet. So I was like, this Blackberry is basically my laptop at this point. So I would download instrumentals from the internet, then take them off the BlackBerry, put them on PC, transfer from PC to a Flash, take the Flash to Muffin Man, and go record on those instrumentals at his house. Once the instrumentals was like, you know, lightly mixed, we'd burn that to an MP3 disc because I'd make so many mixtapes that would not be able to fit on audio CDs. So we'd burn MP3 discs, or we'd turn an audio CD to a data disc, then burn all the mixtapes on. Usually, it would be like, you know, four or five mixtapes you could fit on one CD. Then those CDs we then put in little sleeves, come here to Long Street and give the CDs out. Not sell, give the CDs out, like a pamphlet. So that was me at the start. That's before the internet. But I started a Facebook page also because someone told me, but I think you need Facebook. So I made a little fan page and I used both. I used the physical stuff going out into the street and I used the online digital stuff by, you know, posting little pics and links and, I did a freestyle on, on um, a Kenilworth Center's rooftop and I posted that on YouTube, not even thinking that anything's going to happen with it. And if I look at the video on YouTube now, it's like 33,000 views from a video we shot on a Blackberry. What? So this was all experimental phases that it, we were going through. Is that still on YouTube? I think it is still I'm on gonna YouTube. I'm going to go check it out when this is done. A and then you see these lights of the day, like you speak with them and you say like, you know, what have they done? I will say once again, I credit them in Cape Town because they have taken a page out of my book. They've used some of what I've done to forward their um, careers faster. But I feel like the only part that they lack is the fact that, yo, before you smoke cheese, bro, there's a Swazi. Before you smoke cars, there's a Tari. Before you smoke the Indonesia, you know, there's, there's all these other lower strands that you guys have never heard of. And I understand where you are in life now. I get it. But I'm just saying that sometimes you do your research and your homework, not necessarily to take yourself back, 
but just so you can understand where you've come from and how far like others had to pave the way so that you could be where you are now, you know? And I think that is where we we've lost some of them. Is that they don't know that there's Prasavani Cup. Mm. They don't know that there's Goddess. They don't know there's Mr. Devious. And if they do know, they're not even going to listen to what they sounded like. Sometimes I go listen to that music just so I can know what not to say again. I never want to repeat myself. I never want to say the same thing that the other artists already said. So I go listen to that as references for my music to make sure that I'm saying, maybe spreading the same message, but differently, you know, or bringing it across in a different way or making it fun or putting a different concept, spinning it or something like that. But I just think that with the light is now, use the technology to your advantage, no doubt, but understand you come from the mecca of hip hop. Mm. You come from where hip hop was invented in South Africa. You can do more than you think with it. You know, there's so many, like I said, the elements that we spoke of, there's so many of those elements that they haven't ever tapped into. I released a project now, Dreams Don't Pay Bills, recently. I got Reddy D and Emil on there. And Reddy D is scratching. This is in 2021. That's incredible. I, I saw a video of D scratching on, um, oh, you want to bamba? You want to chill with the big boys? I, I saw a video of D scratching on that. And, and the crazy thing is that when he did it, um, Black Twitter went up in a, in, in, in a frenzy. Because they asked, like, yo, why is he scratching on a piano song? They were offended by it. And I sat there and I thought, shit, we can't actually point the finger at anyone because, number one, in Joburg, they're not exposed to the elements of yeah. hip-hop. They didn't really take it as far as we did. You know, we're still living with it, like you say. It's a practice. You know, mm. we, we've carried it on into the next generation and the next one and the next one and so forth. So here's D scratching on piano, but they don't know D been scratching forever. <laughs> he didn't stop scratching. There was never a point where really D actually decided, look, I'm going to put the scratching thing on hold and we're just going to do CDJs and play a normal set. Mm -mm. No. No. D been scratching under his legs since the 90s, man. <laughs> he's still doing the backwards one with the, he's, he's never stopped. But because they've never been exposed to it that side, it's just something that is almost a foreign concept to them, which they're like, yeah, we don't need it. You know, but the kids in Cape Town need to keep that shit alive. The DJs that come from Cape Town <laughs> should be going to D and being like, yo, D, teach me the basic scratch. Teach me the five finger roll or whatever it's called. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But mm -hmm. we just need to find a way to kind of connect them, you know, the two generations. So I feel like I'm that bridge. Mm. I feel like I'm the one standing with my hand on the one side of the tug of war and I got my hand also on the other side of the rope. So I'm, I'm firmly planted in the middle between old and new. Mm. Like you say, I have this nostalgic moments where I connect areas. I think that was part of my intro speech that you gave. It was brilliant, by the way. I love this speech. Thank you so much. But um, yeah, the connecting of the areas, I think that I'm part of that. That's why I say, these kids have taken a page out of my book of what I've done because I did some of what they needed to do as well, which was use the internet to my advantage, upload little freestyles, mm. do mixtapes, whatever the case may be. And then, you know, the OGs respect me because I, I, I did the ciphers, I did the battles, I did the park jams, I did the open mics. You've done the legwork. I did the legwork I had to do. I did the mixtapes. I came to distribute it out. So you gained the respect. There we go. You know, mm. and I think that's just something that they need to try more of, you know, try and also dabble into what was done before. But like I say, just improve on that, you know. Mm. I'm glad that you mentioned Emil and Reddy D because, ah. I mean... Where would we be without them at this Two point of point? the most important hip-hop activists, but also pioneers. Because, I mean, Lord. they educated the kids through their outreach programs. Ah. They so, performed at Nelson Mandela's inauguration. Guys, I mean, can we just have that moment? I don't think they're going to call me to come perform at no one's inauguration. <laughs> I, don't think I'm that, I don't think I'm that special, but... That is the kind of legacy that mm. these men have. Mm. I saw a picture the other day of Prophets of the City and Quincy Jones. Oh my God. Slamming with Quincy. Cash. 
then the other day, um, D was telling me, uh, you know, every time I speak with D, I at least try and just dig out a new story while I have him in my presence, you know? So I'm like, always, you know, like, I'll drop a one in the machine and just see what song plays, you know, basically, it's, uh, you know, it's on random. It's like, come on, D, if I say this, maybe it'll trigger a memory from 1989. <laughs> but but um, then he hit me with one the other day where he's like, yeah, the Fuji's invited us on Oh tour. my God. Oh nah, my I'm God. loving them chicken like, you were invited on tour by the Fuji's? And he's like, yeah, they, I, I, I mean, I forget. I think they did a show together once. And then the Fuji's liked them and like, yo, you want to come on tour with us? And the Fuji's flew them back or something like that to the States. And they went on a whole tour with the Fuji's. This is in like 1996. And these are things that don't get spoken about all that. I, I mean, I saw a picture of DJ Azul, um, uh, Mr. Fat, rest in peace, and DJ Muggs because they did the show with Cypress Hill. So... Uh, DJ Muggs is, is, um, is Cypress Hill's producer and DJ, and, you know, there he was in a picture with Mr. Fat, who passed away. I'm sure you don't know that, but Mr. Fat is also a legend from Brasafani Cup. And at the end of the day, it's like our icons of hip-hop in Cape Town have achieved what we today in Cape Town wish we could do. Like, I wish we could be standing in pictures next to Buster Rhymes now and all these guys maybe that were popular in our time, you mm. know. But... Uh, like I said, because of those sanctions, because of that banning, they all had to kind of deport themselves to further their career. They couldn't do it in Cape Town, South Africa, you know, so they had to leave here in order just to have a fruitful and successful career, which is sad, kind of. But I think that's where the, the growth of hip-hop kind of stopped in Cape Town. Because mm. we didn't have those pioneers and those forefathers to carry it on for us and still participate and still do it day in and day out because of the fact that their message was banned and their message was silenced, you know, the voices were quiet. And I think because of that, they had to take it elsewhere. And that elsewhere kind of stunted the growth here mm. at home. Mm. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes it's not great to meet your inspirations and your influences because it turns out super cuck. True, but I... Reddy D is one of the most amazing people. Great man. Just in general, like all, all yeah. around. What a, him and his wife, what yeah. lacquer, lacquer yeah, people. No, true. I mean... Talk to me about being in the control room with him in the studio on the other side and working a, with him. And then also Emil, obviously. Yeah, no, it was a, a great memory that I will never, ever um, lose the image of in my mind. I think it also showed me where I've evolved to, you know. I've started to executive produce a lot. I noticed whether it's my, well, my music videos have been, you know, marginally directed by me since I started shooting music videos and the music as well a lot of that all the ideas are mine I take them from real life so I don't like to claim it as my own ideas I feel like I'm living I'm experiencing I'm learning I'm growing I'm ex I'm absorbing so the experiences are out there for us all to take from for example CPT I did not invent CPT it's an abbreviation for Cape Town it's on almost every road sign that you can find. It's on the airport. I didn't invent it, <laughs> but it was there the whole time and nobody used it. All I did was take it and put a spotlight on it. But, I mean, I remember asking D, please correct me if I'm wrong, D, but has anybody ever named themselves something, something CPT? And he said, no, you are the first one. I thought, okay, thank God. Okay. I just wanted to make sure yeah, that I'm not hallucinating and that I am really a pioneer in my own generation. And... You know, when he confirmed that for me, I was like, yo, so I did add something new to the canvas. I did do something nobody else never did before. Because for a long time, like I say, I always believed that we all just 
I always thought everybody knew CPT and everybody was aware that CA and is like LA and um, we live on the West Coast in the Western Cape and it's very similar to the West Coast in LA and we also have CPT, which no. is like Compton. I thought everybody knew that. No. I thought everybody figured that out. So I thought, well, I can't take it because, I mean, people are going to be like, oh, yeah, we know, bro. But when I did it, I was like, oh, shit, nobody actually thought about that. Mm. Funny. And I mean, we were all, see, we were all hip hop fans. We were all listening to the same thing. We all listened to NWA and Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre and Ice Cube. But here was something that nobody ever thought to make a correlation between, you know? And I'm um, just coming back to D, like these are things I had to clarify with him just to make sure that I'm not following in somebody else's shadow, you know, that I'm doing something that is original. I always want to be authentic. I never ever want to know that I took this from somewhere else, even though I appropriate stuff, no doubt, with. On the West Coast sound, or you know, certain songs and lines I will use from you know these iconic rappers. Still, at the end of the day, I always put my own spin on it. Even when I was downloading those instrumentals with the BBM, <laughs> I would never ever try and match the song I'm downloading. If if Tupac's song is called California Love, and I were to download that, not that I did, just make an example. I would never ever rap about Cape Town Love. I'd try and turn the song completely 360 around and rap about the opposite of what he's talking about just so that I wouldn't even be on the same subject as the original track, you know? So with D, I look at him as that he's a one of one. He invented the mold, you know? He, he, he kind of, you know, started the whole race. And it, like every time I'm around him, I get more and more inspired by him. Even at this age, he's in his 50s. I'm shooting a video with him on Sunday. He's in his 50s. You know what I'm saying? So I'm thinking to myself, like, yo, how can I make this thing last that long? You know? So every time I'm around him, I'm just absorbing. I'm stealing with the eye. I'm stealing with the ear. I'm taking off his experiences, combining it with my own. I'm like, ah, I can use that. Oh, this is good. So a lot of what I do is motivated and inspired by what he has done and what he's doing. And as well as the group, you know, that he's associated with. Because, I mean, he put together a lot of members from Prasafanika. People mm. don't know that. You know, he discovered the list. But people don't know that these are things that D was instrumental in, in like, like innovating, you know? I mean, whether it's the car culture with the Drift Squad, he had the show Mzanzi rides back in the days where he would be like... Oh, my God, I love that show. Oh, yeah, like going love around and show. going with this manner to these, you know, racetracks, doing mad burnouts and drifting. And then the last segment of the show... He's doing like a 30-minute set or something and I he's know. scratching him in his mood. Like, I'm looking at some chicken like, this is one man doing all these things, you know? So, yeah, like just being able to now play that role like of the executive kind of like, nah, D, uh, we just need a better take on that one. Uh, D, can you just come back and just fill in that word? You want to punch in that double for me, D, please? D, can you just more conviction? Do it like you're about to throw a petrol bomb at the <laughs> Casper. Can, uh, can you do it like that for me, D? So, so this is the kind of direction that I was honored to actually give the man, not that he needed much of it, but um, he's, a, yo, he's a legend, bro. So is that why you're like a sponge of Capetonian hip-hop culture and SA hip-hop culture, so that one day when some lighty comes to you yeah. and wants to cross-reference a lyric oh, yeah. or cross-reference their name, you can be to them what Ready D is to you? Basically. You know, I look at it like, all the rappers that I grew up idolizing always paid tribute to the rappers they grew up idolizing. So I believed I had to almost, I had to imitate that, uh, that character as well. Not to be a gimmick, but because that was the right thing to do. 
you know it's the same thing like when you're growing up i grew up with my mother but i tried to imitate her a lot so i would like put on her clothes she always wore like tomboy clothes was my time i didn't really dress girly girly unless she was doing like uh, shows and hooters and modeling because right? she was a model in those days so she used to do fashion just like proper ramp shows not like oh i'm posing on the beach for insta but like actual you know <laughs> I've seen one, seen two, seen three, you know, and she's doing the choreography for it. But nevertheless, like, she would have all these dope clothes because obviously she was in the fashion game at the time. And that's where my love for it came in because of her. But I would imitate how she would dress. I'd also want to wear the Nikes because my tiny would wear Nikes. I'd want to wear dungarees because she wore dungarees, you know. She'd have earrings. I'd be like, I also want to have earrings. They have little necklaces. I'd be like, I also... But I'm combining it with what I'm reading in the magazines, you know, these rap magazines mm. and what I'm seeing on TV in the rap videos. So it's like cool because her flavor was very similar. Like I said, she's more like a tomboy style. Her, her style was similar to that of hip hop because she was also influenced by the fashion. So like Tommy Hill figure and mm. guest, um, uh, Peppy G, and she'd be wearing all that, you know, as a woman, you know, but also because she's on the train, she's on the taxi, she can't be dressing up with skirts and heels on it because you know she needs durable clothes she needs to get from point a to point b yeah. plus she's holding my hand i'm with her you know so we need to move here so she'd be wearing caps she'd be wearing like bomber jackets you know she'd look like a guy almost and she had the boys cut. so so even worse she really looked like a bra you know but uh, just me trying to always take from her and 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 get ideas from her that's kind of the same thing now that i'm doing still with her but also through these other ogs like the emils and the dj azuls and the dj easies and all these other pioneers that came through cape town i try and take from what they have already laid down and like reignite it just so that the kids that missed out on that because i mean a lot of them did now especially they can kind of be introduced to it through me and they'll look at me as the guy that oh yeah you taught us about that and actually i was taught by somebody else about that you know and d probably learned it from you know the originators of hip-hop, the Africa Bambatas and the Zulu Nations and the Public Enemies and the Run DMC because that was the first hip-hop that they grew up listening to, you know? Mm. So I feel like the flag bearer, the torch bearer has to be me now because if I didn't do it, it would be a big injustice to Cape Town. If I didn't remind Capetonians about who came before us, who are the forefathers of this culture. So is that the reason why when you first started rapping, started you ditched the American accent? The American accent got completely left behind when I spoke to Shamima of Odessa. So I, I, I did a, um, a mixtape with uh, DJ Hammer. DJ Hammer was the DJ also for Brasavani Cup. I've moved around with some of the greatest of them. If I, can just, if I can just have that moment to pat myself on the back as a young lad, because I, I, I mean, if you look now, the new rappers seek approval from fans and bots and, you know, um, people trolls. They've, people they've never met. People they've never met. Us, I, I was seeking that, that, uh, that validation from, like, the creators. I wanted the people that made hip-hop to tell me, yeah. Which is really the most important thing, because then you're getting the stamp of approval. Then I don't care what anybody else says. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, it's like almost if you commit a crime. And you're like, well, it's fine, guys, as long as my mother knows. <laughs> if she knows and she accepts me, then it's like, look, I'll go to jail. As long as she's happy and she can still look at me in the face, then it's all good, you know? Kind of like the most important person in your life needs to give you that, you know, that, uh, that sign of acceptance. And then you'll be like, okay, 
I'm calm, I'm at ease now, you know? But when they're disappointed but in you. But when they're disappointed Oy. in you, it feels like the whole world is against Pretty you. Pretty much, basically. yeah. So when Shamima told me, you know, I'm listening to this mixtape that you made with Hammer. Because Hammer's there, she's there, and I'm there. We're sitting alone. I think we were at, um, at Trenton's place. The guy who used to do, um, uh, what's it called? Trenton Birch. Trenton Birch, mm. yes. But I forget the name of the company. So you have the Black Orange, Black Mango. Something like that. Black but Mango, but now it's uh, Bridges for Music. There we go, Bridges mm. for Music. Thank you. So we're sitting at his place. We're having a meeting there. And we were playing this album. And Shamima's listening to the album. And she's like, yo, this shit is dope. But I see what's happening here on your music. You're trying to have the American twang, but you're still talking about the shit that's happening here. And it would be easier for you, because look, I come from Vitteboomer. You know, mm-hmm. how did you say Vitteboomer in American accent? Vitteboomer. It, it, it sounds wrong. It's uncomfortable. <laughs> Nobody knows where it is. It doesn't make sense. We're all confused. So there were certain things I was getting stuck on. I knew it when I was rapping it. And when I was writing it, I knew when I come to that line, I can't say it in the American accent. Mm. That's why I say from the start, it was always there because of the place I was coming from, because of the culture that I represent. It was always in my music where mm. there were certain lines I'd come to where I'd like, shit, I want to say this, but I can't say it in an American accent because the word has never been said by an American. So oh, when she heard that, she said, you'd be better off. If you dropped some of the, she said some, she didn't say drop the whole thing. She said you'd be better off if you dropped some of this American twang just for the sake of your pronunciation of certain words. And when she told me, I thought this is Shamima, she was in Godessa, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like the only female hip hop group in South Africa ever. So I'm like, well, she must know what she's talking about. From that day, when I started writing songs after that, I left out a lot of the American accent. So that, that, I mean, I don't credit her as the one that kind of made me stop it, but she shed a light on it to the point where I was like, okay, you're right. I should try and see what, see what it sounds like without that. And the first song that was completely removed from an American accent, more or less, I would say like 90% of it, was Salutas. And that was 2014, which was like a year after she had given me that advice. I was writing and making other songs, but Salutas was the one I decided I completed. Like, I'm going to leave out everything that even reminds people of America. And I'm just going to rap about everything that, you know, brings them back home to Cape Town. And if you look at that song, I mentioned um, um, District 6, Kaapstad, Baanslag, CA, I'm a crazy Arabian. Um, Young van Riebe. Kapstadt, Banslag, celebration. I'm a crazy Arabian. District number six, Cape Town in Malaysia. Got married to the game in the Vatabuma subject. Taking over the Cape like I'm Young van Riebe. All those things that uh, followed me up until now, up until this time in my career, came out of that song, Salutas, in mm. 2014. And that moment is credited, I give it to Shamima for reminding me where I needed to take things. But that song was the springboard. That, that song was the, was the plan. I mean, listen, you've been working. No, no, there's been plenty. 24 mixtapes in 24 months. That's the one. I mean, that, your work ethic mm. is second to none. Like, mm. where, where is that coming from? Where is that drive coming from? Yeah. I would say it's coming from a lot of, 
it was a long period in my life. Like I said, that the years of 1990-something to 2009 or 10, that was like a, a waiting period in my life. I was waiting for it. I was waiting to rap. I knew I could, but like I say, the timing, the climate, the population, the access, I don't think people were ready yet to accept a colored rapper just spitting about, you know, how, how he's dressed and where he goes and what you know, he drives in and what he eats and who he's hanging out with. I don't think they were ready for that yet. You know, lifestyle rap. That's what I call it because my music is based on my lifestyle. So it's a lifestyle I lived and it's a lifestyle I currently live. So because of that kind of um, uh, content, I had to wait for the internet, basically, I think. Because the internet gave us all a platform to broadcast ourselves as YouTube, you know, used slogan. And you didn't have to have the best outfit and the most shiny music video and whatever the case may be. All you had to do was be good enough to upload something. And when they gave me that freedom, you asked me where did it come from? They gave me the opportunity then to make as much music as I wanted. All I needed was to get in front of a microphone. And I needed someone to press record. I needed someone to believe in me. And I needed someone to help me get this music out. And once I did that, the rest was history. You know, your debut solo album, 3T. Yeah. Things take time, right? I'm coming straight out of Cape Town. Good Lord. One best hip-hop, no, best album at yes. the South African Hip Hop Awards. Yes, that's correct. And didn't win best hip hop at the Summit. And you were robbed. You were robbed because that album is a masterpiece. I think I went on a little bit of a rant on Twitter. They do. And then everybody from Cape Town was like, ah, yeah, da. like They joined you. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But, you know, in the grander scheme of things, mm. People say that awards, nominations don't matter. Mm. But what do they mean to you? Do they matter to you? Or is it more important to get the validation from the people who you're making the music for? Yeah, look, I mean, there's a lot of great artists that obviously never... never oh, thank you, sir. Yeah, indeed. Just eat, you know, I'm drinking boiling water out here, baby. <laughs> hey, my man. This is, the, this is the risk that you take when you go with the boiling water. But nevertheless... Um, I think that it goes both ways. Everybody wants to win the medal for play of the year when they walk on the stage and smile with the principal. I'm smiling with the principal right now. You just can't see it. It's but, amazing. Um, yeah, it's the Colgate one. But nevertheless, the, yeah, the rewards are great. We all won the trophies and accolades. But, I mean, I've looked at plenty of successful rappers. Some of my favorite rappers ain't one shit in their life. You know, so... I don't mind following in the Bob Marley tradition. <laughs> I don't mind following in the, you know, Tupac won awards when he died. <laughs> don't mind following the notorious VIGs. Um, Nas only won his first Grammy in 2020. COVID. <laughs> COVID Grammys, you know. So, and that's Nas, baby. That's one of the greatest poets of our time, you know. So these are all artists that I hold in high regard that weren't awarded and rewarded by, you know, the faculty and the poll of... Um, you know, music expert, mm -hmm. so to say. So I don't think that my music has any less of an impact just because I didn't win anything. But like I said, we'd all like to have the trophies in the cabinet, you know. 
I mean, at least you have that. I do. I have best three. album. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, sorry. That's, I mean, I, I won, you know, guys. This doesn't take anything away <laughs> from the win. But uh, yeah, no, at the time, I just believe a lot of politics involved in these kinds of big award ceremonies also. You know, a lot of labels that they have investments a in lot. it and stakes in it and, yep. you know, shares and so on and so forth. So I'm not competing against the artist. I'm competing against a label. People don't understand the bureaucracy that goes on behind the scenes when it comes to these they things. They do not. As oh. why, Jen, like I said at the start of this, we are an independent entity. I'm going up against the Sonys and the Universals and the Def Jams and whoever it may be with little resources. You know, a fraction of what they have, basically. For me to have even made it this far on my own, I'm, what, 11 years now, unsigned. It's almost unheard of. People want to talk about, oh, yeah, I'm independent, and I did it my way, and I did it like, well, how long did you do it, my man? For two years now? Well done. I'm not saying you, you know, you, <laughs> you're any less of an artist than I am, but what do you want me to do? Mm. I, can't, I can't pat you on the back for that. I mean, for almost 12 years by myself with the same people, the same guys. You're going to look at my pictures from 10 years ago. You're going to see the same faces in it. So, I mean, it's also that, that kind of resilience. You ask, how did I make the 24 mixtapes? It's like, just imagine you have to go back and explain to the Owens all oh, night. It didn't work out. I'm thinking of it. I'm thinking like, this is our last resort. And I have to go back home and say, oh, this thing that I've been, you know, fantasizing about for like 10 years of my life didn't actually work out. Mm. When it's either you're going to do this thing and you're going to succeed in it, or you're going to become God knows what, I think you'd want to succeed in that thing. You uh, might want to be the best at it also. 100%. So I think that 24 mixtapes is me overcompensating, really. I'm trying to show people that I'm good. And if they don't clap or cheer... I'll make another mixtape. If they don't clap or cheer, I'll make another mixtape. If they don't say I'm the best, I'll make another mixtape. And if I don't win, I'll make another mixtape. And that is how it came to 24, basically. Nobody clap or cheer at all at Youngsters' upcoming events so we can get all the mixtapes all the time, please. They, they clapped at number 12 already. I just think, once again, like I say, it's just overcompensating, guys. Ay, ay, ay. So listen, the reason that you are here today mm. is to talk about your new album, 31 Years Ahead of Time. Ish. So talk to me about your new album, mm. 31 Years Ahead of Time. You mm. turn 31 at the end of the year. Indeed I do. Is this title in any way a reference to your age or the fact that you're maybe a little bit ahead of your time because people weren't ready for you? Mm. I'm fishing here. Tell me what's up. No, you're actually right on both counts. You're actually right on both counts. Well done to you. Um, <laughs> Gold star, yay. Hey. Win the award. It's all you. <laughs> hey, you. You. You're me. good. You. No, no, you. Hey. Hey, you. Hey, me. You're good. Hey, me. You're very you. good. You. I'm great. You're good. You good. are very good. So I would say it's definitely a reference to the age. Um, I have 30 mixtapes. It's number 31. Oh, by the way, it's a mixtape also. I know that people are still fuzzy on the mixtape album discussion. That's fine. But for the most part, it doesn't matter. But I just think you can't have 31 songs on an album. It's just ridiculous. you know. So it has to be a mixtape. <laughs> And the fun about mixtapes, I think hip-hop kind of gave us that freedom also a lot, is that mixtapes are very similar to, I would say, a series, and an album is a movie. So the album is the El Camino, and the mixtapes is the Breaking Bad. You know what I'm saying? Huh? Nice. Thank you. Thank you. 
because I've been trying a long goddamn time to explain to people what mixtapes are. Nice. I have another analogy. So I, I call mixtapes your sample. So when, so when you come to the restaurants and you have those little starters and finger foods that come out of the trays, like, oh, you can just, you know, taste what we have. And then you order your food and the main course comes. That's the album. The mixtapes is everything before that. You know I'm going to use this. I'm oh, going to take do. it and I'm going to run with please it. Please do. Because that's, uh, that's the simplest way for me to explain to people what a mixtape is. That's why I'm saying this 31 years ahead of time can't be an album because it's not necessarily me trying to give you like deep shit to digest. It's just me like giving you little snippets and samples and, you know, kind of like throwback about what I've been doing all this time and what's been laying in the vault. So 31 years ahead of time actually has like five songs that were supposed to be on 3T that I left off 3T basically. So it started from those five songs and then it just snowballed from there. And then I have an old mixtape from 2012 called 21 Years Ahead of Time, which I released when I was 21 years old. Um, the first project I made at Red Bull Studios fully in R. 2012. R.I.P. Red Bull Studios. The old studios was that one there, Bakluf Street, that side. Um, and that's the one I did there. Oh, wow. That yeah. one. Yes, that one, Underground. Oh, jeez. The Underground one. That's where I made 21 Years Ahead of Time. And there's actually a video of it because I made it in one day. It was seven tracks only, but I did all seven in one day. And, yes, I remember that. And up until that point, Richard had never, ever seen anybody do that. He wasn't used to that. You see, that's why I say I kind of like shifted everybody's perception of what music is and how you release it. and how smashing how expectations. Yeah, I put out like I did it on Friday or Thursday or something like that. And then we mixed, mixed Saturday. And then I think uh, uh, the next week I released it. And they weren't, you know, familiar with those kinds of things. I mean, but I was trying to take them into the new era that I was seeing happening in the States with all these new rappers like the Wiz Khalifas and Currencies. Like, these guys weren't waiting for labels to release this stuff. They were just dropping it online. Mm. So I was like, okay, the internet isn't booming in South Africa yet on that level. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to burn it on disc, like MP3 disc, and then like sell it and give it out. Most of the time we gave it out for free at shows. Mm -hmm. We used to just like toss it off the stage. But that's where I was trying to... T that's where I was that's how I was trying to take things at the time. You know, I was very, very like ahead of my time, you can say. So that mixtape was, you know, kind of to symbolize my pace that I was working at, how fast I did things. And now 31 years ahead of time, I'm turning 31 years old. Love the, you know, the revisiting of titles. I always like to do like, I mean, like I said, it's a series, you know. So I get to choose like cool little names that will remind people that might remember like, oh yeah, he released this when he was 21 mm. also. So this is like, you know, revisiting that. But uh, yeah, it's a mixtape and it has 31 songs on it. And talk to me about the first single. <laughs> I said 31 songs. <laughs> uh, I love it how we just breeze over these things. Who makes 31 songs and puts it in a goddamn compilation? Do. I do. Yeah, you. you're right. I do. Yeah. That. Um, uh, the most, uh, and this is a side note, the most songs, and I know we're out of time here, but I don't even care at this point. The most songs that we have ever put on a mixtape is 50. Five zero. Excuse me, how many? 50. What's the duration the of it? The mixtape is called Absolute Brilliance. I have no idea how long it is. I, I, I never ever check. The point of the story, there's 50 songs on that goddamn mixtape. And then I have another mixtape called Fresh Prince in Nike Airs Volume 3 that has 23 songs on it. Or 24. Those are the most I've ever put on compilation. And now 31 is going to be my next feat. Um, so the first single, um, the first two singles, I'll speak about them both. The first one is called Yes Manier, mm -hmm. featuring Early B. Oi, you late? No, man. 
I'm early. Can we just have a moment? Oh, just to oh my God. Prop also. This is a platinum selling artist. Funny Signed doll. by Universal. Uh, from PE. Representing the brain man once again. And he's way more successful than South Africa gives him credit for. So, or let's just say South African hip hop gives him credit for. So let's just have a moment and just, I just want to give a clap to LB for uh, 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 representing and doing something that I've never seen done before. Well also, done. Also, one of the most incredible people I've ever met again. Great man, great character, great lyricist also. So. I'm seeing a trend here with uh, the people that you work with being incredible people. Just being like a mensa, you know what I mean? You know, some of the greatest collabs happened with big artists and labels and fans alike thought these collabs would never work. You know, like if you listen to a California love, I'll make it example, Tupac, Dr. Dre, Roger Troutman. Those are all three pioneers on one song. And Roger Troutman's the guy who sings the chorus. California. Mm-hmm. He's singing, but he has most of the tube in his mouth when he's doing it. And that's, um, I think it's called a synthesizer. Mm-hmm. That is how the auto-tune trend obviously began. He's the first guy that ever did it. And Tupac put him in that song. Then you got Dr. Dre on the beat, who's like one of the greatest producers since the 80s. And then you got Tupac, who's Tupac, you know? So th- those collabs could be disastrous if you don't do it right. But they managed to make a song that's classic. And that's what I've been trying to do recently, is to like collab with people that I think they've always wanted to see us work together, but we never have. Like when I did Main O's, AKA, we had that moment. When I did Emma with Shane Eagle, we had that moment where it's like, this could have gone totally wrong, but it went exactly Main right. was a good track. Main O's was yeah. a great one. It went exactly where it was supposed to, you know? So with this one, yes, man, yeah, I feel like it's another one of those moments where it's like these two giants find each other on common ground and we manage to make the earth shake just the way it's supposed to without mm. breaking it. You know what I mean? So, yeah, this track, yes, man, yeah, um, big favorite of mine. Um, I mean, I, I, I got Early B on it. You know, it's the first song I'm going to release with Early B, basically. Even though we've made a few, this is the first one that's actually going to hit the streets. And um, uh, the music video is done already. We shot it in PE. I made sure that I wanted to capture it Laka. as close to, nice. uh, uh, you know, the tradition and culture as we could. Um, it's produced by JM as well. They are from PE as well. So I kept it very East Coast on this one. And it's very funky. No one's going to really expect it. I can tell you that. Um, a big favorite of mine. Yes, Manir, coming out soon. And then the next one, the last one, um, Slim Young, is the second single. And this one is very... I would say um, smart in terms of how I named it also. It's one of those colored proverbs, man. You do something stupid in the house and then your mom is like, mm, yeah, it's a very Muslim Yan. Slim Yan. That was actually the, the correct name. And obviously when I did a YVR, Young Van Ribic, I was like, oh, you can actually turn Yan into Slim Young. Y- there we go. Oh. I, can, I can use it for anything. <laughs> so I thought I would take that just because it's a nickname that, you know, our parents would call us when we did something stupid when we were young. So they would actually kind of have a double meaning to it because they're calling you slim for doing something dumb, Mm. (laughs) basically, you know? Mm. And I was like, I mean, like I told you in school, I had this, you know, little moment, little period of my life where I was, you know, going the uh, the wrong way. And, I mean, you know, in school, if you fail in those years, they always think that, oh my God, this guy is going to be, you know, drug addict in rehab. Yeah, Yeah, but but actually, you know, maybe you just had a bad day. I don't know, know, maybe you just didn't study for the one test, guys. You know, just, just give the man a break here. So, so the Slovian thing comes from that and how I didn't actually turn out to be the, the silly one. I actually turned out to be the smart one out of everybody that was passing in the class. Now, you know, 
Look who's at lo- me now. Who's laughing now? You know what I'm saying? Who's in detention now, bitches? <laughs> Sorry. But um, yeah, so that song now kind of introduces me as the bad student that became the good businessman. Aha. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Smart. So, hey, Slim. Mm. So, so very, very intentional, very on purpose. And even about my physique, you know, I've always been a kind of slender guy all the years. I didn't really change my weight even. I don't know if that's going to change now that I'm 30. But, um, you know, from here on, it might be downhill. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just wanted to also give some motivation and some hope to the school kids. So because in school I wasn't really the greatest in academics and I only flourished when I left school, I think I serve as an example to those kids, the ones who sit at the back, the ones who don't get high marks, the mm. ones who don't maybe get any academic rewards and the ones who don't do well at sports. The they ones who feel school. isolated. They feel isolated, but at the end of the day, it's just that five-year little you know, stint they have to go through and after that, life really starts. You know? And I just want to show them that when my life started, I took control of it, I took charge of it, I didn't wait for anyone to help me. I went out there and went to go source my own people, my own team of people. They weren't experts. They weren't trained in this. They weren't, you know, learned men necessarily in the music industry. But, you know, look at what we managed to achieve. Mm. So I was still slim in some way. I was still clever in some way. I used some of the smarts that I was given in school. And I snowballed that into an entire career for myself that has now spanned like almost 12 years. And I don't even know somebody my age is doing the same thing for 12 years. I don't. And they were all the ones that were the bright spark, so-called, in school, you know. And now it seems that I played the long game, even though in school I didn't really get that kind of credit and that recognition, you know. So, yeah, Slim Young is more about that. I mean, a very personal song, but I still made it. I mean, bouncy. I'm bouncing my shoulders. You can't, you can't see it. He's bouncing his shoulders. I'm, hey, it's been confirmed by text, bro. I'm bouncing my <laughs> goddamn shoulders. So I still made it bouncy, still made it vibey. But uh, yeah, these are, are, are songs that uh, people's definitely going to enjoy, I think. And I'm going back to the mixtape days. You know, I, I mean, I did the 24 mixtapes, 24 months. There's 30 in total, but I'm taking people back to a funner, more experimental time in my career. 3T was very deliberate. I knew what that album was about. I knew what I was trying to convey. I knew what I was trying to get across to people. I've gotten it across. And I, I, I mean, not every album is going to be about the struggle and the, you, you know, the... Uh, the pitfalls and the apartheid regime I can't do that all the time it's a depressing topic we know the story it's never going to change it's the same story the story can't be re- uh, uh, like redone or rewritten mm. that's forever so that's now cement that's in history I did that it's there I won the award my grandfather's been honoured there it is it's done so now I have to go into the next phase and because we are still in these times of like COVID-ish I feel like going back to the mixtapes will be nice for me because it'll give people something like refreshing to listen to and it will be happening frequently and it will be coming out in large volumes. I mean, 31 songs. I can imagine people's going to tell me like, yeah, no, you don't have to drop anything for the rest of the year. That's not going to happen. <laughs> That's not going to happen because <laughs> oh there will be more. But yes, this is the first one to digest, the first mixtape, the first series in your 2022 calendar. I hope you enjoy it. And uh, yes, man, yes, Lim Young. That's what it's about now. And yeah, just move it loud and get complaints from the neighbors and be disrespectful when they come and, you know, play it louder for the police and tell them where to download it and send them a link. Salute us. Well, listen, after I've digested these 31 tracks. <laughs> Good luck. You need to promise to come back. I need to come back and discuss them all. Because we need to dive into the next three releases that you will probably Woo! have put out. In that time. In that time. That's most definite. That's the thing that I love about you. 
there's always something to talk about. There's always something going on. And I feel like you're very fortunate, you and your company and everybody that works with you, because in this climate and having just been through the worst two years <sighs> ever in the, in the industry, yeah. in recent memory, yeah, true. you're very lucky that people you've got, that people, that people still care, <laughs> care yeah. but that you've still got this incredible flourishing career and business yeah. that is only going to carry on growing and growing and growing and growing. True. And this has been a bucket list interview for me. I know. No, look, yeah, you've been supporting <laughs> me for quite some time. I've seen it online. I always retweet. I always show love, always share. You do. And um, we need more of you. Okay. We need more of you. We need to see more of you. This is the first time I'm seeing you in I real know. Life. This is the first time Youngster and I, I have met. I always thought you were a bra. You know, huh? like, <laughs> I'm sorry. To say, I don't know if that's offensive. But I this is amazing. Were, I always thought you were a bra. Man, but this is great. No, it's very refreshing. And uh, there needs to be more of you. The graveyard is the richest place on earth. So stay ten toes down before you lay on dirt. Before I write my will fully, I use crayon first. Bars locked up tighter than the A converse. I burst, I came before she did. Now she crossed Queensbridge. Since young, I dream big. So I give my all at each gig. Eat big hash brown like Bruit. Click, clack, feel that squirt. R.I.P. That's Stuart. You can't learn my rap words. Translated, I'm far greater. The archangel, the bar raiser. Luke Sky, see Darth Vader, past Star Wars and far places. Dodging bombs in the catacombs. Lost temple, Indiana Jones. I was always wearing baggy clothes. Drip, drip like your granny's nose. But wait, that's a low blow. Row, row your boat slow. Your fan base just won't grow. It's so close like a stone's throw. Pinocchio, you telling lies. My rhymes leave you paralyzed. Strategize, I plan to rise. So I'm cutting ties like samurais. You analyze like Robert De Niro. Hustling hard for the commas and zeros. I'm not a hero. I'm bigger than Debo. Your ego is big, but you Danny DeVito. Seven dwarfs all trying to get a kiss from Snow White. Migos with the water chain hanging like a hose pipe when our jewelry hit your eyes you blinded by the strobe lights i hardly wear my necklaces and yet my future's so bright but water's running out they say we're in a drought so you can't be chasing clout if your leg is getting gout keep my name out of your mouth before my gang invade your house and tie your hands up like a scout you won't be saved by peter crouch so when i die make sure i'm buried in cpt but i won't lose until i rip with kobe and Came up from me, raised no hope. In my own town, I went big time in no time. I got gang ties if you get on my bedside. In my own town, got a rep said I gotta let these niggas know. The block I came up from me, raised no hope. Shit, gang. Fuck it, I'ma play to win. Niggas ain't tryna let me in. Fuck it, I'm breaking in. Fuck them. Told them niggas I play to win. Niggas ain't got no time to chill. Chip on my shoulder, potato skin. Fuck them. Started off. The mattress and the tracks. Nigga had a dream I would get the city lit. He told him all the talk. Said that what happened on my head is called a cap. I made a fax and that's just up and I forgive and I forget. Yeah, came from my respect. Yeah, better pay it dues and get your mess to pay a debt. Yeah, I've been on my savage shit. These bitches don't impress me. On one, two, oh, two, one link up. This shit could get messy. Fuck em. I'ma go give me some paper then. Cash flow Mediterranean. Starting 11, I've been at the game. I was born for this shit in the main event. Mary Jane's in the brand, you can tell by the fragrance. These niggas ain't gang, these niggas ain't really my niggas, they just some acquaintances. Yeah. Just became a CEO. Biggie shine, big. Came for dope, not in DGOs. Came up from the dust, nigga from the mud, never gon' decompose. Better tell these niggas, mind their business, but he put their noses. I came with the way from part of ways, I sound like Moses. Oh shit, the flow caught, I gotta curl my toes. And they try to put me in a cage and make my head a trophy. Turn the tables on them quick, I guess the hood they chose. Living dying in my hometown, everything 
I came up from me, raised on home. another episode of Tex Talks. From me, your host, Tex, producers Jonathan Ings and Matthew Lewitz, and researcher Al Clapper. Catch you on the flip side. Head on over to texttalks.com for all our previous episodes. And remember, that's Tex with a double X. 